Good morning. Greet you in Jesus' name this morning. To enjoy the Sunday school time, special welcome to the visitors. What a way to die passing out tracks. Wouldn't that be, well, I shouldn't say fun, but be in the streets of Chicago doing the Lord's work. It jogged my memory of a friend of mine that his dad passed away, and it struck me how he was having his morning devotions with his wife when he had to say, or when he, that was it. And I thought, well, that's, that's a good time to go. Why are we talking about that? Well, if you remember, I had started looking at Ruth, and we're going to continue, so I invite you to turn to Ruth chapter 3. We looked at the first two chapters, we saw, got a glimpse into what had happened. Here's a small little book. Four chapters in the canon of the scripture that God gave us a story, the life of some people who lived a long time ago, and there's still lessons and examples that we can learn from today. What are some of these life lessons that we can learn or that we can apply to our life? I'm going to read Ruth chapter 3. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now, is not Boaz of our kindred, with whom maidens thou wast? Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man, until he shall have done eating and drinking And it shall be when he lieth down, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie. And thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay there down, lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And he said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me I will do. And she went down unto the floor and did according to all her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly and covered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter than that before, and than that at the beginning. Inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requires. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now, and now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. Howbeit, there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of the kinsman, well, let it do the, well, let him do the kinsman part, 
But if he will not do the part of the kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of the kinsman to thee. As the Lord liveth, lie down until morning. And she lay at his feet until the morning, and she arose up before one could know another. And he said, Let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. Also he said, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee, and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley, and laid it on her, and she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. And she said, These six measures of barley gave he me, for he said to me, Go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Then said she, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be rest, will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. There's a lot in this chapter. Naomi asked Ruth, in verse 1, Do you mind if I do a little matchmaking for you? How would you like your mother-in-law to do some matchmaking, find a husband for you? She used the word rest there in that, in that first verse. Let me seek rest for thee. The NIV says, I must find you a home where you will be taken care of. Naomi was concerned for Ruth. Ruth had proven herself loyal to her. Ruth was loyal to Naomi. Was Naomi thinking about, what if something happens to me? You know, I'm old. Here's Ruth in a strange land. This isn't familiar to her. What would happen to her if I'm not here? Would she go back to her land? These are just my thoughts putting in place of what maybe Naomi could be thinking. You see, it was a journey that no one expected. There was a famine in Judah that had brought them together in Moab. And now nothing could tear them apart. For Naomi, it was a return to Bethlehem. And that return was a bitter one. Behind her lay her husband and two sons, buried in foreign soil. For Ruth, it was a new land, a new people, a redeemer, an an extraordinary journey, an unyielding devotion, and a love story for the ages. Verse 2. Naomi brings to Ruth's mind. What about Boaz? She's, she says he's our relative. I wondered if Ruth knew anything about the law that had been given to the children of Israel about a kinsman redeemer. I would doubt that she knew before, but she was obviously becoming aware of it. And we can see that later on in the chapter. Boaz was a wealthy man. They finally were getting a good harvest. The famine had stressed the land, had stressed the people. 
The harvest was good and bountiful. I can only imagine the satisfaction that they were getting from reaping a harvest that was finally worth harvesting. Those of you that farm and run combines, you know what a harvest is. You know, it's fun when the grain tank fills up fast before you get to the other end of the field. I remember one time combining some beans that were only yielding barely 12 to 15 bushels to the acre and running a big combine across the field. It took a while to get a load. And, of course, the poor auger wagon guy, grain cart guy, he was sitting there bordered as whatever, and after a while you'd have a load and he'd come get it and then he'd sit and wait for a while. It was boring. What's fun is when the harvest is bountiful. You fill up, the guy's running for all he's worth, trucks can't keep up, combine's sitting, you know you got a good harvest. I believe the harvest here was bountiful. I believe there was a pile of corn. And it must have been a custom to sleep by that pile of your grain. You worked hard at gleaning and threshing. Why would you give up your grain if you didn't sleep beside it? It shows your dedication to it. I have a feeling that there was people that were looking for quick grain. There were those that would probably steal. If you remember in the previous, in the judges there, it mentions how everyone did right in their own eyes. It sets the framework for what kind of culture we're living, that they were living in. God had a plan for His children, for those that were poor. And we had looked at this earlier, but they could go into the field and they could clean. They could glean the corners and they could work hard. They could work from sunup to sundown. And they could get food, enough food. And if they worked hard enough, they could probably get enough to get by for the year. And it wasn't just a handout. They still had to work for it. But I bet if you were one that was poor and you were gleaning in Boaz's field, I bet you had more than enough. Because we see the character of Boaz when Ruth showed up, he said, hey, chuck a little. Leave some handouts. To let, let it lay. That was Boaz's character. Boaz was a wealthy landowner. He commanded his young men. Boaz was a family member of Elimelech, Naomi's husband. And this was a good harvest. It was a time of diligence, knowing full well that famine could again one day set in the land. Ruth goes and works in the field and gleans. Boaz sees her diligence in her work and her care for her mother-in-law, Naomi. Boaz, in a way, he's a man in history, but I believe he plays an important role in giving us a picture of Christ in many ways. Boaz came from Bethlehem. Isn't it interesting that Boaz, who was a picture of the one to come, he is the picture of the Redeemer of the whole earth, who is coming out of Bethlehem. 
He is setting the stage for one who is greater, who will also come out of Bethlehem. Also thinking of the fields ripe for harvest. Boaz was busy working in his harvest. What about Christ's fields? There is a harvest that is ripe, but the reapers are few. Are few. Are we working in the harvest field of Christ? Is a question that I have to ask. There's also a shift in Naomi's attitude, I believe, that we can pick out of this chapter. If you remember, when she came back from Moab, she was discouraged, she was bitter. She told, they said, isn't this Naomi? And she's like, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, which means bitter. Life had beaten her up. But now Naomi is healed by the revelation of this hope that she has in this man Boaz. And it changes her attitude and how she deals with Ruth. We can see this mutual compassion and love that these two women have for one another, which is incredible because they come from different backgrounds, different generation, yet they are bound by grace. At the end of the chapter 2, we see Ruth and her commitment. She didn't just glean one day, but she was gleaning through the whole harvest. She stayed close to Boaz's maidens and lived with Naomi. Some time had passed. Ruth's, from Ruth's first encounter with Boaz... But Ruth is tirelessly working week after week by providing food for herself and for her mother-in-law. But there is now a hope of a law of redemption. What that means is she now begins to treat Ruth in a special way and wants to extend that mercy and grace to her. You remember back in Ruth chapter 1 verse 9? The the request that Naomi had was for rest for her daughters. That was her desire, was to have rest for her daughters. Here that prayer is being answered. This is what is true for a marriage relationship and what it should produce, rest. It's what a home should look like, a place that provides security, a place that provides tranquility, a place that is rest, is restful. One of the strongest longings of a woman is to be satisfied in a relationship with a man that is of trustworthy and that she will be taken care of. For a woman to flourish in a relationship, in a home, she needs to have the assurance that she will not be abused or neglected, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, or physically. That's the security that a woman would desire. The sense of rest here that Naomi wants for Ruth 
is not just the reality for the women either, but it's for men as well. Men want a wife. Men want a partner that they can rest, come home to find rest with and trust that they can add, that they do not add more sorrow or burden, but will help propel them and give them the wings that they need. If you remember, Delbert Klein, I think it was him that mentioned it here at the ordination. Um, he said, a man can take a lot of heat and come home if his home is rest. Now, that's my own words. I probably butchered it up. In other words, I believe there's a lot that a man can take, but if his home is at peace and at rest, he can take a lot. But if his home is not at rest, then there's just that much more. Proverbs talks about, Proverbs 21:19 talks about men as it's told it's better to live in a desert land than to be with a quarrelsome or fretful woman. How can we be sure that we strive for a home that will bring rest and security just like Naomi had a desire for Ruth? A relationship that will flourish and not be a burden. A place of peace that there would be prosperity in the soul. There's one simple truth, both for man and for woman, and that is the Prince of Peace needs to be ruling in your heart. And I believe we see that evident in Ruth and Naomi. If you don't have the Prince of Peace ruling in your heart, it will not rule your home. That peace will not be a reality. So we continue with the story. Naomi tells Ruth, Is not Boaz one of our relatives? There's this law that you can have a husband, a redeemer, that can take you in and will take care of you and will provide for you. And we'll see that his brother's name continues on. This was God's plan for those who were widowed. It was for the integrity of Israel. And you can find that in Deuteronomy chapter 25. The man had a choice to meet this requirement or not. The man didn't have to do it if he didn't want to. If a man did not want to take his brother's wife, then it was to be known to the gates, at the gates where the elders sat, that this husband, her husband's brother, was refusing to take care for her. And she was allowed then to spit in his face and to walk around with a shoe in his hand and be shoeless and proclaim that he was unable to do his part. Why did Naomi and Ruth pick Boaz? Did they not realize that there was someone closer than him? 
and we see that further on in the chapter. I believe the reason they liked Boaz is because they saw a character that they saw that there was integrity, a man of integrity. Ruth got to witness Boaz and how his character was in the heat of the moment. During stress of harvest, Ruth saw something in Boaz that was very valuable. She got to hear him dealing with other people and even in her own personal dealings as well. Boaz also gave her the protection that she needed as she was gleaning in his fields, illustrating more his character. For in this time, for a woman to glean in the field, let alone go to the threshing floor, was dangerous. But there was confidence that Ruth and Naomi both had in Boaz that they knew he would not mistrust or mislead them. And that character stood out. Boaz was a catch. Here's a tip for those who are considering dating or marriage. Experiencing the rush of romance does not mean you have to rush a decision in the relationship. Those overwhelming emotions, they are a gift. And they are to be cherished and they can be enjoyed. But they also have to be managed with godly wisdom. You have to look past the butterflies. And you have to look past the physical appearances and the fun that you have with that person. You need to begin to analyze that person and study who is this person? Who is this person to the core? What do they stand or how do they stand in time of trouble or trials? Do they put their trust and confidence in God? I believe here, Ruth and Naomi had saw Boaz as a man that did that. He was in it for the long haul. He wasn't a flake. Sometimes we use that expression, well, he's just a flake. Give him a puff of air and he blows away. Boaz in the previous chapter sees Ruth coming. And he heard about her, and he finds, he wants to find out who she is, and he asks who she is, and her reputation has preceded her, because he had heard about this girl from Moab that was taking care of Naomi. Looking at Boaz as the type of Christ, we can see something beautiful. That when you really know who he is and who, who you can put your trust in, you are safe with him. <clears throat> Naomi had no doubt that Ruth could give herself in this way and that Boaz would not handle her inappropriately with disappointment or with selfish ambition. 
Naomi even seemed to step out and trust in faith because in verse 4 at the end she tells Ruth, He will tell you what will you, what you will need to do. Naomi seemed to have, or seemed to know, that Boaz knew. Probably understood the law of the kinsmen and would follow through with some more instruction. A kinsman had to be a relative. He had to be willing to be able to perform and he had to be willing to assume all obligations on the behalf of one who he was taking into his home. If there was debt, he had to take on that debt. If there was land, he had to be willing to buy that land. Whatever the case was in that family, he had to be willing to perform the duty to take on that responsibility. And Boaz displays all of this in his character. How much more does Jesus Christ express that character display as a Redeemer? He has your future in mind. You put your hand in His. Put your dilemma into His hand. Your heart into His. Your life. And completely trust in Jesus as a Redeemer. And He will take care of it. may not be easy, but it's better than not. That is the assurance, if not the greatest assurance, a greater trust and confidence you can have in Christ. There is no need to fear what He will do with your life. When you sell out to Christ, there is no need to reserve a part of your life. Just give it to, just give it to Jesus Christ, and He will lead you faithfully. The future is in His hand. And with assurance, you can trust everything that happens is perfect. Another type of Christ that we can see is that it is only when Ruth realizes that she needs a Redeemer. It was in her impoverished state, her predicament, her sorrowful future, the lack of a husband, and the lack of children, only to realize, I can't redeem myself. And she now comes to the end and to the feet of the one who can redeem her. In similar, just as we have the sin nature of Adam, and we have sinned and we've fallen short, we realize we need to come to the feet of Jesus. This is the good news. Verse 3, Naomi gave Ruth some instructions to go and make herself beautiful. Clean up, change your clothes. I don't know, was Ruth still wearing her mourning clothes that she was wearing for the the loss of her husband? I don't know. Or were they just her chore clothes? But Naomi gives her instruction to go and change. Maybe that's why Boaz had not made a move toward her because she was still in the state of mourning for her husband. Ruth would not have had to listen to Naomi. She could have taken this whole thing in her own hands. She could have went to Boaz in her work clothes, all dirty, poor looking, and said, Boaz, you know, there's this whole redemption thing that you were supposed to help me out with. Why don't we sit down and talk? You know, I came in the middle of the night, but I just want to talk. 
But no, she took the advice of Naomi. She listened. She cleaned up. She put perfume on. She made herself pretty, attractive. But I don't believe this was done in a way to glory her. She just looked neat. Sometimes I think we struggle with knowing where to draw the line of being dressed up and neat versus plain down dirty and casual. Naomi also gave her instructions to pay close attention to where Boaz lies down at the threshing floor. That's in verse 4. Pay attention where he lays down. You don't want to get to the wrong end of the wrong feet of the wrong guy. You know, this would seem inappropriate for our day, but I believe in that error. That was a custom, and it was a sign of humility. To uncover someone's feet while they sleep. Now, this method wouldn't work for me. I'm one that I have to have my feet out. I think there's two types of people. There's the people that need their feet in, and there's the people that need their feet out. Christy and I, we love that. I don't know, something about staying cool. Now with a bed full of boys, I'm lucky if I have any covers till morning. Boaz was probably lying on his back with his hands behind his head, looking up at the stars, contemplating, thinking, wow, what a great harvest. God, you're blessing me. I don't know, I'm making that up. But I believe Boaz had had a big day. He was eaten and he had drunk and his heart was merry. I struggle with that word drunk for a little bit. Did that mean that he was drunk with wine? Well, in the NIV, it puts it this way, that Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits. There may have been wine involved, but I don't believe Boaz was drunk. I believe he still had a frame, a good frame of mind. Verse 10, Boaz says, You have showed me more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning. What was Boaz meaning by this? You have showed me more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning. I believe Ruth had a liking for Boaz because she saw in him a character that was good. I believe from this verse we can safely deduct that there was some difference in age as well. Boaz calls her my daughter, my daughter, different times. But Boaz is not a frail old man either. He's out there working hard, putting in long days. His work ethic proves it. So in other words... Boaz is saying, you want me to be your husband when you could have went and found younger men? Those who were poor or rich, you have, you did not let money dictate your decision? See, Ruth was a Moabite, and she did not have to submit to this law. She could have went to, she could have went and chosen any man she wanted to in Israel. She could have went back to Moab. She could have done anything that her 
simple desire. But she looked past her youthful passion. She looked past the prosperity. And what does she operate under? What is her motive for such a serious decision as marriage? And that is loyalty to the will of God. Loyalty to the will of God is going to help you when you face the serious matters of life. And even the simple things of life. And this is what Boaz is noticing shining forth from this character, from the character of Ruth. You're willing to bypass all other options, all your options. And you have this supreme desire. And the supreme desire is that you want God's will accomplished. It's easy to think that Ruth was stuck and this was her only hope for an option of getting out by getting a husband through this law. Even in this family, she had options. But who did she choose? She wasn't forced into this. She wants Boaz and she desires Boaz and Boaz realizes that. In verse 11, Boaz also was attracted to Ruth as well. Why why does he why is that? It says that the people of the city know that you are a virtuous woman. It wasn't just Boaz that noticed, it was the people of the city that had noticed as well that she was a virtuous woman. Her character is drawing Boaz. It is her fear for the Lord, her love for the Lord. Remember back when Ruth made the choice to continue with Naomi. She said, your God will be my God. And she took it seriously. And she made her calling sure. So the God of Israel was her God. Verse 12. We have a problem. There is someone that is closer. And kinsman. Someone that's closer than I to redeem so everything comes crashing down in that moment you can imagine the gasp or the heart stopping thought after all this and you and I agreed we're confirming that that you're telling me that this might not even work but no Boaz didn't stop there Boaz gives his instructions he says stay tonight till morning and I will find out if he will, this other kinsman will redeem you. And if he will redeem you, then good. Let him do it. But if not, then I will redeem you. Here is a man who is a man. There is no doubt that Boaz had affection and interest in Ruth. Could this have been a reason why Boaz had not approached Ruth because he knew that someone else was closer than him? Could be. Here's a man. He's laying his emotions on the altar. Even though this is something he really wants. And his desire. And he's willing to seek out this other person who has the right to redeem. He wants God's will. If this is God, then let it. 
If not, then, I'd rather God's will be done than my desires be satisfied. That is a man of God. Sometimes that is hard. He had moved on with life. He was not married yet. As many people who have moved on in life and desired to be married could have made it happen in their own way. They could have done it. There is something more important. That is, I want what God wants. Each person has a place and a role to play in God's plan, God's God's kingdom. Whether you're married or whether you're single, you have a very important role to play. If you want to advance in the will of God, and you want to know how, because one of the most difficult things in this life is when emotions get involved in sacrifice, and you realize what God is calling you to do will require you to sever that part of what you feel. The simple answer is that our affection to Jesus Christ needs to be greater than the affection to whatever else that may be drawing that affection. There may be things, place, people, person that draw our affection. Something we dearly love. And sometimes God asks us to give it up. Make sure that you nurture and you discover God's beauties. You pursue Him in person. That your heart can testify that I love the Lord more than anything or any person. This is the fuel that will get you through those emotions that get involved in sacrifice. Is when you say yes to the will of God and are not swayed by your feelings. Classic example is Abraham. God promised Abraham a son and 25 years later it came to be. Those short years of enjoying and delighting in God's promise and God's miracle... God tells Abraham, what? Give it up. I'm going to test you. Who do you love? Abraham doesn't argue with heaven. He doesn't stomp his feet to Moriah. He doesn't complain. He doesn't raise his fist to God while dragging Isaac by the cloak. What does he do? He walks for three days. God could have said, go outside your tent and do it. But no, he said, go Walk three days, giving him time to think about it. How serious are you? Is there wisdom in that? Abraham could have made excuses. Could have said, well, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to dash for it. I'm going to find it out here. But no, he plotted ahead. Abraham was steadfast and sure that God was going to be faithful in something greater And when he performed it to the extent that God wanted him to, he says, now that I know you love me more than you love Isaac. How is he able to do that? Because he loved God more than Isaac. Closing. We see a few more godly character traits displayed by Boaz. 
One is he doesn't send Ruth empty-handed back to Naomi. He gives her six measures of barley. He's still caring for Naomi and Ruth and not sending her back empty-handed. The last verse, Boaz is one to get the job done. His character is one that he stood by his word. What he said he would do, he would do. He would perform it, and he would perform it to the best that he could. I hope you were challenged and touched by this story of Ruth, chapter 3. The story of Ruth and Boaz and their example of service and commitment to following God's will. We all are on a path. And God sometimes calls us to go through some tough times. When we have our affection in the right place and our secure security in the love of Jesus Christ, we can do it. We can win. Here we're ordinary people living ordinary lives in the face with and faced with lots of difficulties, but yet they saw through it and work to the working of God. Let us keep our eyes steadfast, focused on God, and He will lead each of us in a path and tell us where we should go.